This episode is sponsored by Realtor.com, who wants you to take advantage of your free profile on Realtor.com. By claiming and completing your free profile, adding a photo, and all of the information that puts you head and shoulders above the competition, you're on your way to receiving free leads, helping search engines find you, and staying top of mind with past clients. To learn more about claiming your free profile, go to realtor.com forward slash profile. Welcome to the Real View podcast, where Ohio realtors connect you to innovators and influencers, keeping you with the real view of real estate. Whether you're a broker, agent, first-time homebuyer, industry leader, or just happen to stumble upon our podcast today, you can expect to hear tips, tools, tricks, interesting information, and so much more from the experts in Ohio's real estate game. everyone. I'm Allison Wiley back with the Ohio Realtors podcast, The Real View. And this is our special edition Ohio policy talk episode where we dive into kind of some specific issues regarding properties, what's going on with homeownership, private property rights in Ohio. So today's topic, I'm super excited to be covering property taxes. I and mean, I know this is something that's been on a lot of Ohioans' minds as the appraisal process has started. And we're going through that and working through everything that comes with owning a home and how it relates to our taxes. So we're going to dive into this topic, but I would like to welcome on three very special guests that I have joining with me today, Edward Stockhausen, Katandra Noy, and Bethany Sanders. And I'm going to have each of them introduce themselves, share a little bit more about what they do and the organizations that they are a part of. So Ed, I will go ahead and start with you. Allison, thank you so much for having us join you today for this podcast. And hi to everyone who's out there listening. My name's Ed Stockhausen. I work at Cleveland Neighborhood Progress, where we focus on the revitalization of Cleveland neighborhoods. I lead our advocacy and external communications, and I'm really excited to be joined by two colleagues today. Katandra, do you want to go next? I sure will. Hello, everyone. My name is Katandra Noy. I am the Assistant Executive Director at Fairfax Renaissance Development Corporation, or FRDC, is a community development organization located in the Fairfax neighborhood of Cleveland, Ohio. We are, um, to put where we are, we are the neighborhood where Cleveland Clinic's main campus is located. Thank you. Bethany. Hello, everyone. So excited to be here, and thanks for having us uh, with with my colleagues here. I am the Director of Policy and Strategic Initiatives for Franklin County Auditor Michael Finziano. Uh, I've been in this position for almost five years, and I'm excited to get to work on issues around both how we internally implement appraisal and uh, property tax and management-related issues, and also some of our coalition work and advocacy around property tax uh, relief and and best appraisal practices. So really excited to talk about these things today. Thank you all three for joining me again. I think we have a really great panel of speakers and I'm excited to get all of your different perspectives on this topic because I know you all each have uh, different areas of expertise when it comes to this and are going to be able to share some really good stuff to help our listeners understand this world of property taxes a little bit better. But I'm just going to kick us off here. So we know that property taxes have been a concern for Ohioans this year as we continue to 
see those property values rise. And I want to ask you, is this something that you and the work you do at Cleveland Neighborhood Progress is addressing? And what do you think that the state can do to help protect those homeowners? Tell us a little bit more about what you guys are doing to address this. Allison, you're absolutely spot on that Ohioans in every corner of the state are experiencing challenges with rising property taxes. And it's become an issue that the Ohio General Assembly is paying a lot more attention to. Our work actually started back in 2018, though, because while there are a lot more people paying attention to the issue today, the issues were around years ago. In fact, in a coalition with the Greater Ohio Policy Center, we were looking at issues related to affordable housing. And usually affordable housing is about rental units that are income restricted. But we started looking at issues about housing affordability. And what that led us to understand is there were the same problems cropping up across the state. Again, this was 2018. And one of the challenges were tax foreclosures. People who hadn't quite lost their home yet, and it wasn't the mortgage that was a problem. It was increasing property taxes. Oftentimes, we're talking about low-income homeowners, and especially low-income seniors or people becoming seniors whose earning potential was decreasing, whether that was because they're preparing for retirement or they're aging out of their careers and their jobs. And what we found is that sometimes they had been living in neighborhoods. They'd been the cornerstones of communities that suddenly were getting hot around them. They had been within the community through the ups and downs over many, many years, and the markets were getting hot around them. And that often through a variety of different property tax equalization measures resulted in their monthly bills going up dramatically, outpacing inflation, outpacing wage growth. We were looking at this in 2018. And of course, the pandemic happened just a couple of years later. And we know what happened in the real estate market then, right? Housing prices spiked. So many people were buying homes. Prices went up. And there also wasn't enough supply to meet demand, right? So that that had additional inflationary pressures. What that led us to is functionally today, seeing more people having challenges with rising property taxes on their homes, homes that they've owned, and causing increased financial stress on Ohioans. That's why we have a working group, and Katandra and Bethany are both part of this. We have a working group that's been exploring potential options that the state can offer to Ohioans and to local government to help ameliorate some of the, the worst impacts of increasing property taxes, while also setting a steady and sustainable course for the future. Yeah, that's excellent. I think you made a lot of great points in kind of great background and in history on what led us to get to this point today and why it's become such a big hot button topic for so many of us around the state. That's all of our goals. You know, we want to make home ownership possible. We want to make it affordable. And property taxes certainly factor into that. And it's something that everyone thinks about as they think about becoming a homeowner. Katandra, I kind of want to ask you from your perspective and what you've seen there in your community on homeowners being impacted by this firsthand. Um, I know you work really closely uh, with members of your community. How have you seen them be impacted by this? And could you maybe share an example um, or, or a story of how you've seen this directly impact those in your community? So our organization was incorporated back in 1992, seems like the stone ages at this point in the 90s. But really what it was designed to do was for the benefit of the neighborhood. We had started a, and everything, the development, everything is done through a comprehensive community-focused process. So everything we do is done through the community saying there is a need. 
So all the housing we develop, everything happens because the community says, this is what we need to have happen. So there are countless conversations that occur monthly, daily, hourly with our residents. And when we have a conversation with them and they say we need something, we respond. So since the 90s, we have built over 420 single-family housing units, 218 multifamily units, rehabilitated well over 500 single-family units, including housing for our seniors. And what we found is our seniors have really suffered as a result of increasing property taxes. And to share a story related to one of our seniors or several of our seniors, we have a woman who, and I won't say her name, who worked for the county within our neighborhood. She grew up here and she has been experiencing increasing property taxes because she doesn't fall within the homestead exemption because she has a higher income. And so conventional wisdom says that you would be able to benefit from that. Well, if you have a higher income and your property values are going up, you don't benefit from that and your income is set. She's in danger of being pushed up out of the neighborhood that she has grown up in, has contributed to all these years. And where is she going to go? She's a person who has been here all of her life. And I think that that is a shame. As a person who lives in the city of Cleveland, I will share another side of the city of Cleveland on the west side where the same exact thing is happening, where people are experiencing the same kind of pressure. And I think Ed alluded to it when he answered his question. It's happening and I think you can plus replay and you can see the same dynamic happening all across the state. It is amazing that people who have contributed so much to our great state are being affected this way. Yeah, and are at risk of the dream of homeownership being out of the realm of possibility for them, especially after they achieved it, you know, and have been so successful achieving it. And now they're at risk of it being, you know, unattainable, which is what we want to avoid. And we want to make sure people are staying in their communities and, you know, that we are making this a dream and a reality for so many people. It is so important. And thank you so much for sharing kind of what you've seen on your end of things and how it's impacting uh, these homeowners. It is a very real thing and something that, you know, I'm glad we are putting the spotlight on. So thank you so much, you know, for sharing that. But, you know, I want to kind of bring another side to it too, which is when we think about property tax reform and the impacts that it has, there are some fears and worries that the local government suffer from this because they do rely on those property taxes uh, to function. How can we ensure that homeowners are protected from these high property taxes while at the same time the local governments are still going to have the funding that they need to provide the services that are so critical to our communities? And I think, Bethany, kind of you want to share a little bit more on your perspective of that and how we can make sure that the government is still functioning in the way that it needs to. Absolutely. So as the as the county assessor and, and fiscal officer, we both appraise the property and then we also collect and then distribute the funds out to local governments. And so we see the whole scope of that relationship. And so that is part of why this is a difficult question and a difficult balance of how to answer. And and really the key, and when you look at a lot of other states who have probably gone a little bit further down the road than Ohio in, in addressing this, the key things you see are targeted relief. So not flash and burn across the board, but really targeting those who need that relief. And then also 
where possible, and in many circumstances, kind of state backfill of some of those programs, which we have for great programs like the homestead exemption, which are a good model and just probably need to be modernized to keep up with and meet the moment in terms of that eligibility and amount um, of, of the benefit. And so you can, you know, at the end of the day, property taxes are a combination of voters approved levies and property values. And so it's that, that combination of where are we deciding to fund critical services and how can we provide that relief valve to have those allowances in state law to provide that relief valve either at a statewide level or with some local control to hit that right balance. This episode of The Real View is brought to you by the Ohio Association of Community Colleges. Ohio's network of community colleges provides accessible training that accommodates the busy lifestyles of aspiring real estate professionals at half the price of a traditional university. With convenient locations in every part of the state, as well as online options, Ohio's community colleges are your smart choice for pre-licensing education. For more details or to start the journey to a real estate career, visit the education page at ohiorealtors.org and then click on the pre-licensed course locations. Yeah, you're right. I think it is all about hitting that balance. And um, what have other states, what have you seen other states do? I'm just curious, um, you know, because I'm not familiar with what other states do. And we, in a lot of uh, the work we do, we do compare ourselves to other states and want to know what our neighbors are doing. And, and what have you seen other states kind of do and help to address this issue? And you, any one of you jump in if you're from, more familiar with that. I'll jump in with a couple initial observations. Anybody who's interested in the various types and forms of property tax relief across the country should go check out the Lincoln Land Institute. They're a national think tank that's really focused on how land is used and taxed. And they issued a study a couple of years ago that looked at all the different ways the 50 states offered property tax relief mechanisms. And the truth is, if you know one state's taxing system, you only know one state's taxing system because property taxes are used for different purposes and are administered in different ways all over the place. Um, nonetheless, there are some general themes, right? Ohio has one tool already, and that's the homestead exemption. A lot of states have homestead exemptions similar to that, to what we have, and they also have homestead credits, right? Um, and as Bethany alluded to uh, earlier, and as Katandra mentioned in, in her story about an individual, there are income limits, right? So it only goes so far. And it only covers so much. It doesn't cover all the property taxes for, for seniors or disabled veterans. And there are opportunities to expand that, to help it reach more people and even keep pace with inflation, even though housing costs have well outpaced inflation generally, right? Uh, there are also other opportunities. Some states use something called a circuit breaker method. In those plans, a, a homeowner doesn't pay more than a certain percentage of their annual income in property taxes. Generally, that's what it is, right? That's different to administer than what we have in Ohio. And then still other states have programs that are way more progressive, uh, including Michigan. Michigan has a whole property tax program for low-income homeowners that can even eliminate property taxes if they qualify, right? It wasn't really well known, but thanks to the generous support of groups like the Rocket Community Fund, they helped launch a program called Neighbor to Neighbor, and they went door to door across Detroit, connecting with residents, finding out where they're at uh, with their housing needs, 
And if they qualified for this kind of program, they got thousands of people connected to a state program that helped them maintain home ownership and pay down any past due bills. There's a wide swath of policy options across the country that we could study. I think what's really important is to make sure that our state legislators here in Ohio understand how some of those ideas could be modified to fit Ohio's taxing landscape. And our our group has worked to develop a couple different recommendations, everything from local permissive options to help extend relief to low-income homeowners to other recommendations related to the homestead exemption, related to circuit breakers, and also addressing uh, school funding where we've got some communities who are at what's called the 20 mil floor. Bethany knows that way better than I do. Bethany, what else would you add to the conversation about policy options? Yeah, I think that's really the key is to just know that there are a lot of options out there. And and in my mind, we're going to need to really to find all the niches where this is an issue. Ideally, we'd have a menu of solutions. And so you don't need to have one solution. You know, just expanding the homestead exemption is going to be great for older adults, but not help out the single parent in their 30s whose house value doubled over the last five years, right? But a circuit breaker might help that that homeowner or other type of relief might help that homeowner. A key thing we always say, we've been saying it hundreds of times that I think is, is, is very relevant to kind of understanding what our policy options are, is that an increase in value does not mean the same increase in taxes because tax rates do go down generally as values go up. The 20 mil floor, which was considered a protective kind of like stopgap to have schools be overly affected by that process, now applies in about two thirds of our school districts across the state. And it disrupts that relationship. It disrupts that protection the taxpayers get against values really causing taxes themselves to increase. Because instead of having most of your tax bill have rates go down when when the when the values go up, the 20 mil floor prevents that from happening. And so that's something that has been in place for about 50 years. And gradually it's eaten up more of the state and more of the, the revenue that people see. And so in in jurisdictions of the 20 mil floor, that is a big driver of the spike people are seeing in their tax bill. In jurisdictions like Franklin County, where the tax where we don't really have the 20 mil floor. We're not seeing a massive revenue infall. It's it, it's not when it's not it, it is not the reality that when you see these increases in value, you, local governments are collecting revenue hand hand over fist. But we do see, and why this targeted relief and pos- and local control around targeted relief can be so beneficial, is that we essentially see a tax shift because when you apply a rate to a whole community, those whose values went up more than others are suddenly seeing that increase in their taxes. And so using that kind of local control option, using opportunities with state backfill can ease the way and prevent that shifting in addition to a need to address the 20 mil floor and school funding side for, for the, the large swaths of the state that are in that reality. And that's why it makes it so complicated is there's not any single one size fits all uh, solution to address the ways in which property taxes are uh, causing these burdens in our communities. That's what I was just going to say. It sounds like there's not just a one solution fits all kind of option out there for us. And that's why, you know, we are in this position. And that's why, you know, we do see this being an issue because there are so many different factors that comes into this, you know, when we think about how we can aid this situation. So um, a lot, a lot to think about, a lot, a lot of work that can be done. Um, definitely addressing this at, at the state level, I think is important and something that, you know, we're going to see from, from all of your guys' input. I think, you know, we, we all feel like there is something that can be done um, on a statewide level to help address this. But 
There's also things that cities around the state can do and in your local communities. I know that you all, you all are addressing um, Ed and Katandra that you guys are doing some really great work in Cleveland around this. What advice would you all give to cities that can help combat this in their local government arenas? Allison, I think one of the things we, we joke about is that when all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail, right? <laughs> in Cleveland a year and a half ago, we, we we changed our tax abatement ordinance. And we used to have one CRA, one tax abatement policy for all new build and all substantial rehab. Now we have a new, more, more nuanced program that treats neighborhoods differently depending on how disinvested they are, if they're kind of middling in the market and maybe a little bit stagnant, or if they're actually strong markets, right, where private investment already flows. We have a nuanced program now that's really good. And you just said it, right? There's no silver bullet for this work. Functionally, we need more tools in the toolbox, right? TIFs are good. Tax abatements are also good. We gotta use them in the right ways. Our local policymakers need more tools. Right now, they don't, they don't have all the tools that would be helpful. And that's part of what I would recommend is local policymakers should engage with their state representatives and senators to talk about the needs of their community and to get the permissive local control that helps them figure out the right weights and measures for local solutions. Not all of our communities across Ohio are the same, whether you're urban, rural or suburban. We understand that. So we, we need maybe perhaps different approaches in different places with some of the same guidelines. I'd also say we need to do a more aggressive job making sure that homeowners know what programs are available to them today to help them. That's where Katandra's work is so important. Connecting people to the resources that can help them instead of them feeling like they've been left out to dry and they don't know how to access programs, whether or not they qualify, uh, that matters a lot. And it also matters that those programs be easy to access. Bureaucratic, systems that require lots of paperwork. I know in the city of Cleveland, some of our programs require people to submit their bank records. There are a lot of people very uncomfortable with submitting that much personal financial information through an old paper form that goes into, you know, a city hall and sort of feels like it disappears, right? We need modern responsive government that helps people trust that when they're applying for help that they deserve and have earned that their applications are going to be reviewed swiftly, correctly, and that they're get going to get the help that they need. Katandra, you work with so many residents and helping make sure that they're connected to programs. What else would you like to see from our policymakers? I guess what I would like to add is I think we really do need to look at things holistically. A one-size-fits-all approach really does not work. Sometimes the best way to help our homeowners is to make sure that there are good options that are not homeowner related available. So making sure we're making good investment into multifamily units, that there are good quality multifamily units that seniors can go into if we have all these different protections, all these things that are out there and they just can't make it work, that they're there. And so that there are options out there that they can go into a holistic approach that allows people options. It does, it should not matter whether you live in a rural area, whether you live in a small town, whether you live in a big city, any of those things, you should have access to these different things to live in. And, and that will strengthen things. And Ed, I, I 
couldn't agree with you more. You shouldn't have to present your your third born and all these different things just to get a little bit of assistance. It it, it it's it's just not right. Communities need to work at making things easier for people. And that I think goes back to what Bethany was talking about in terms of having lots of options for different communities to help with the property tax issue. You know, I I think local governments have an incredibly important role to play, both specifically in the property tax issue and, of course, more broadly, building and maintaining the communities where we all want to be. I think Ed and I have sometimes a little disagreement. Tips and abatements can be good, uh, but they need to be used in a thoughtful and accountable way. Uh, We need to use them to build things that would not otherwise be built that our communities need. And that's something I think that, you know, the city of Columbus also just went to a citywide um, CRA with those different buckets of level of benefit. But we haven't seen that kind of, let's think about both the commercial and economic development side and the housing side as much throughout the region. And so I think we do need to really challenge on a regional level are not just our kind of big eight cities, but our suburbs, but our villages, but our townships to think about where is homeownership needed, where is multifamily needed, if we're going to, you know, incentivize and use abatements to bring in jobs, what are we doing about the housing and related needs like for those jobs? And so that's a, that's a big regional challenge. It's something Mayor Ginther's talked a lot about here. It's something that's been a priority for our office under Artis Cinziano um, and, and more PR regional council government uh, locally. This, this is a big deal issue. And that's a hard thing because it's a hard sell sometimes to constituents to think about, you know, the changes that might happen in some of our neighborhoods. But the change is going to come. And so it's about planning for it and having it be able to to, to sustain our communities. And, and I will say the other thing that is really a local government issue is looking at that, you know, we are seeing these costs in housing because we do not have enough housing in, in most of the state. That's certainly what's the main driver of the related value in housing costs in central Ohio, not just Franklin County, but the region as a whole. And so we've got to look at zoning. We've got to look at places where we do put too many hoops on people to build housing. Um, and, and so how we can really incentivize the housing that we're going to need, not just now, but also in 10, 20 years from now, when our population may have, uh, you know, clo- close to doubled as we look at the future decades. That's a hard, that's a hard ask. We know we're making a hard ask to local government, but if, if we just kick the can down the road, it's only going to get harder. So, it, so now is a really good time to act on these things. Yeah, you're right. I think there's no better time, you know, than now, especially with the investment we're seeing that businesses are making in our state. Just in the past couple of years of what the news headlines we've seen of these businesses committing to being here, you know, we need to make sure that they will have employees uh, that can fulfill those jobs, that can be happy, that are living in a great area and are bringing their best selves to work every day. So now I I know I think we're going to really see this become more important than ever. But this has been so great. A lot to think about. I want to thank the three of you for joining me sharing your perspectives and your wonderful ideas and your expertise with us. This was really great. We have a lot of work to do, but that's why we're here. And uh, we are all committed to making sure Ohio is going to be just a great state to live and be in. So thank you all so much for joining me. I really appreciate all your time and knowledge. Thank you so much for having us, Allison. It's a thrill to work with the realtors on this topic. Thank you. Thanks very much. Yeah. And, and, and as Ohio Realtors, you know, we are very committed and dedicated to this issue. We have a great team of, of uh, local government, of state staff, 
staff that are going to work really hard with with people like Ed Katandra and Bethany on this to make sure that, as I mentioned, we're making Ohio a great place to be. So thank you all again for joining me. And to all of our listeners, thank you guys for tuning in. We'll be back with you soon. Thank you for listening to The Real View. That wraps up today's episode. You can keep up with the latest on the podcast at ohiorealtors.org slash The Real View and on Apple or Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Have questions, comments, or suggestions? We want to hear from you. Email us at podcast at ohiorealtors.org. We'll see you next time.